Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Shula Newman. Many years ago, St. Louis and Chris Bolliard made the decision to switch careers and go from working in restaurants to providing them with an alternative to big box grocery store meat. He went on to become the head butcher and owner of Bolliard's Meat and Provisions located in Maplewood. Now, Chris will soon be familiar to many across the nation after his appearance on a new History Channel television series called The Butcher, which airs tonight at 9 p.m. The goal of the show is to help educate the public on the skills that it takes to be a butcher and to butcher a whole animal. Chris Bolliard joins us in studio to talk about his time on The Butcher, the animal butchering craft, and uh, so much more. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm um, very intrigued by this, but I want to start with this TV show that you're on, The Butcher. Um, It's on the History Channel? Correct. And I don't usually associate reality-type competitions with the History Channel, so what's the link? Um, so it's a it's a very well put together show. Um, I was I was pretty impressed with the, how the whole thing went down. I had never seen a television show put together like that. Um, you know, because my first impression was this could be something that's kind of cheesy. You know, you've seen a lot of those cheesy shows on television, um, but. It's very educational. Um, you know, all the episodes that I've seen leading up to to mine, I haven't seen mine yet. Um, have been well well put together, very educational, um, and are you know just uh, very engaging, and they're um, they're easy to watch. They're you know, they're exciting. How did you get selected to be on the show? Was there an audition? No. So there was uh, a friend of mine um, in the industry. Um, he actually made it on the show and. I guess they were looking for other contestants for other episodes, and he gave them my name, and they reached out to me, and there was some kind of back and forth and some Skype interviews and background checks and all that fun stuff, and they they selected me. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty great. So you evidently wielded the knife in just the right way, I guess. That I guess. I don't good know. For I was kind of surprised that I made it on the show. I, I figured they were looking for... Uh, I don't know, you know, a little bit more of a, f- a flashy personality, I guess, but... Um, but I made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended, I'm sure. Um, so what what are we going to see? There's there's a competition involved. Yeah. So basically, the way the way it works is there's uh, f- there's four butchers, and there is three challenges, and at the end of every challenge, um, someone gets sent home, um, and there's three judges who are are very well known in the industry, and um, they're kind of critiquing you know, your cuts and, um, you know, your efficiency and your yield. Um, and there's always a curveball that's kind of thrown into the challenge, you know, that you're not prepared for. And you don't know what you're going to do until right up until they announce the challenge. So we had no idea what we were going to be doing, um, which made it very interesting and kind of nerve-wracking. I would think. So I, I heard that one of the things you had to, you had to cut up a deer mm-hmm. um, using a traditional flint knife yeah what is that what does that look like so basically it looks like a rock uh with a sharp edge um that was (laughs) that was a bit of a challenge so the way that worked um they gave us an access deer it's just a um the species of it's a the breed of deer that we were working on um and the challenge was we had to use this this flint knife to break it down into primals, so to separate it into shoulder and saddle and the, and the hindquarter. And then from that point, we were able to use our own knives to further break it down into retail cuts. Um, but, you know, this was 
it was rather challenging to use this 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 flint rock, this flint knife. I was like I said, basically using a, a sharp rock to get to get through these primals. So I take it you've never done anything like no, that. No, nothing like that at all. Yeah. I never I had never seen wow. one of those before. <laughs> That's kinda crazy. So yeah. did you did you learn something in this competition from some of the other butchers there? Was it educational for you? Yeah, you know, I think any time that I get to um, cut meat next to someone else I learned something because there's so many different ways to to butcher an animal. There's so many different styles, um, you know, just various ways to to retrieve to retrieve cuts from the animal. It's always a learning experience for me. Um, that's part of why I love what I do because um, there's there's um, there's many ways to to do things. So. Um I'm curious. Uh, I have two questions about the show. One is, do we know if you got sent home early or are you not allowed to say? You'll have to watch and see. Uh, ah, anticipation. Yeah. Um, and then the other question is, what happens to the meat that was cut up on the show? Um, so it all gets donated to um, animal shelters. Oh. Yeah. So no, no, nothing goes to waste. Yeah. So it sticks mm-hmm. with the ethos that you bring to your profession yeah, in general. Yeah, a- absolutely. Great. So l- I want to back up and ask you a little bit more about yourself. You were a chef first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got trained at the Culinary Institute of America, which is no Correct. small feat. Um, but you. you didn't stick with it. Why, what What made you change your profession and go into butchering? Um, yeah, that was. I mean, that was the that was the goal. The ultimate goal from the get go was to. Um, own my own restaurant one day. My my wife has a very strong restaurant background as well, and um, you know we just kind of decided about halfway through my time at Sydney Street Cafe that um, we wanted to open a butcher shop. I, I just have always loved that aspect of of food and cooking is um, you know um, butchering whole animals and utilizing the whole animals, whether it's um, charcuterie, you know, um, smoked meats, the preservation aspect of it, um, I really fell in love with. And we, we did a lot of that at Sydney Street Cafe, and I kind of honed my skills there um, in butchering. And we decided, um, my wife Abby and I decided, A, there was a need for something like Bollyards in St. Louis, and, and B, it was a little more conducive to a family lifestyle. We've got uh, two young girls and, and one on the way. So um, now that Bollards has been open for almost five years, I'm able to step away and have more family time um, than I did working in the restaurant business. Are you also mentoring younger butchers then to do some of the work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a, a solid crew that um, that I work with every day at the shop. And, um, you know, we, we take on stages if, if anybody's interested in, in learning the craft of butchering. Because um, that's, I did a lot of that when I was learning. And so, you know, it's, I feel like it's, um, it's my way to like give back, you know, to uh, the community of butchers. Um, I, I did a lot of staging at other butcher shops around the country and other restaurants. And it's just a good way to to uh, get hands-on learning. I assume that staging is sort of like apprenticeship. Exactly, yeah. So uh, stage is is short for stagiaire, and it's just basically, you know, an unpaid apprenticeship position, and it could be anywhere from a day to months, you know, on Mm -hmm. end. So I have to ask also, as somebody who's a little intimidated by meat, um, that first time that you came up to a carcass, I mean, what was it? And was it at all intimidating, or were you like, finally? Oh, very much so. uh, I'd say the most intimidating was was um, butchering whole beef um, because I I had 
got a lot of experience early on with butchering hogs and that was intimidating at first. I didn't know what I was doing and there was a lot of uh, trial and error and, and just learning from other people who had done more of it than I had. And, but when I, when I finally got a chance to break down whole beef, it was very intimidating to me because, um, it's a much larger animal and looking at it is, it's not as, um, transparent as like a side of pork. You know, uh, the the cuts are bigger. They're just they're buried in the animal, and it's 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 not as easy to look at and pick out. Oh well, you know, here's the pork chops. You know, here's the pork butt, and so on and so forth. With beef, it's uh, there's many more cuts on the animal, and they're they're harder to get to. And they're not they're, like I said, it's not as transparent looking at it. Slick so for me, that would be like looking at a chicken. I, I don't think I've ever looked at a at a pig to know how to cut it up. But mm-hmm. I look at a chicken. I'm like, oh, there's the wing. There's sure, the leg. Okay. Yeah. So, but but with with a with a cow, it's there, there's meat that actually comes from underneath the yeah, surface. Yeah, it's yeah. Wow, absolutely. Um, I have so many questions. Um, first of all, with, earlier you had said that St. Louis needs a place like Ballyards Meats and Provisions. So, what makes it unique? Um, so, there's a lot of things that makes it unique, and um, you know, not to take away anything from from the butcher shops that have been around for much, much longer than we have. Um, I think what sets us apart is. Um, all the meat that comes into the shop comes in as a whole animal. Um, we don't get any additional um, boxed meat um, or extra cuts. So we just sell what's on that animal for the week. You know, um, And so by the end of the week, we might be out of many cuts because there's only so many of those per animal. And all the animals come from local farms that we've had. Um, we have very close relationships with. We've been to the farms. We've also been to the processing facilities that they spend their last day at. And um, we, ha- we set pretty high standards um, for, with these farms. Um, all the animals are raised on pasture their whole life. Um, they're never given any unnecessary drugs or hormones. Um, they, they live about as happy and, and, uh, healthy life as, as they can, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and that's it's... important. And, you know, that, with that being said, you know, the nutritional value of our meat is going to be a lot, a lot higher than, um, some factory farmed meat that you might get at, at your grocery store. I would, I thought it would be all about the taste. I never thought about the nutritional value. Taste is definitely a big one too. I mean, you can, you can, um do a comparison with any of our steaks or our chops side by side with that from, uh, you know, a larger chain grocery store. And you can definitely taste the difference. You can see the difference. I think it's just all around a better product. So there is kind of uh, an inherent, I don't know, morbidness about this. And you're taking a life that's involved Mm -hmm. in killing an animal before you butcher it. Um, Do you ever grapple with that? And you talk about how the animals, they're living their best life until their last day. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've given a lot of thought. I mean, um, you know, people, people don't eat meat for a lot of different reasons. So um, I I mean, I try not to get into that too much. But um, these animals have been, you know, sustaining life for us for for centuries. And um, if you were to take these animals and put them out in nature on their own, um, their death would, would be much more violent. Um, their, their life would not be as stress-free and, uh, you know, enjoyable. They're, they're given the best life they, they could have. Um, and, 
with that being said, there's there's also a humane way to to dispatch the animal or kill the animal, and uh, that is that is, is just as important to us as how they spend their whole life. You know, because you can you can spend the time and energy raising this animal in the best way possible, and then a lot of things can go wrong. You know, in, in their in the last day. Um, so that's that's equally as important to us. And that influences the taste as well, I assume. Yeah, for right. sure. The right. taste, the quality of the meat, um, all that can be affected. Hmm. That's really interesting. So I take it you're a meat eater yourself. I am a yeah. carnivore. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Oh man, um, it, it just depends on the day. I get asked that question a lot, like what's my favorite cut or all that. Um, I typically will take home, you know, the steaks that have been in the case for a few days and they don't look as nice and those typically taste the best. Uh, they've got some age on them and I'll take those home and eat them. But, um, it, it, I guess it just depends on the day and what my favorite cut is, you know? Um, I think that, that pork is probably the most fun to work with just in the sense that every single aspect of it is, is, uh, usable. Um, you know, a lot of charcuterie is made from pork. So like the preservation side of things, um, you know, the, the sky's the limit on that. So I think the, you know, the pig is the most versatile, um, when you're talking about charcuterie and sausage making and, and preserving it. So I w- you, you mentioned like when you talk about using the whole thing mm-hmm. and the concept of using an entire animal, does that include organs Yeah. and how, how does that come up as a non-butcher? Yeah. Person? So, um, that includes using, um, the, the skin on hogs, we get the, the hog skin on, you know, we don't get the hide with beef or with lamb. Um, so the skin will get used, whether it's in a sausage or it gets um, smoked for, for a dog treat. Um, the bones will get used for stocks and broths. Um, the fat will get rendered um, down for cooking or, you know, the harder fat on hogs will get used for sausage. And then you asked about the organ meat. I mean, those are all have great uses as well. Um, like pork liver, for example, all the pork liver that we get with our hogs um, gets put into the brown schweiger that we make at the shop. Um, the beef heart and the beef tongue, those are those are larger um, organs. I mean, tongue is technically not an organ, but we'll use those to make uh, deli meat like pastrami or, or corned beef. Um, some of those will sell fresh to the public, but it's not something that is in high demand. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to utilize those as with, a, you know, added value items to them. Um, beef liver, we get a lot of people that buy beef liver, believe it or not. Um, people are trying to get, um, you know, more iron in their diet or just, just get more nutrients from a pasture-raised animal by eating its liver. Um, so all of that. I have recollections of when I was little, my mom actually made beef tongue, and mm-hmm. it would be sitting in the pot, and the tongue would be out, and it really looked <laughs> yeah, like yeah. somebody's going, ah, yeah. on the side of the tongue. Yeah. Um, but I that, remember really liking it. I could see how that would stick as a memory <laughs> as a child. Yeah, it definitely sure. stick. You know, another memory I have is um, going to the butcher with my mom as a kid in the 1970s. I'm old. And uh, it, it was not what I would call a, a cool experience. But it seems that now there's kind of this hipster mystique um, yeah. going on with butcher butchers. And, and I'm wondering what you think has changed, what, what, what has evolved. 
You know, it's definitely it's it's obviously made a, a strong resurgence the craft of butchering. Um, you know, it's it started on the east and west coast and then kind of slowly moved its way to the to the Midwest. I think it, it's it kind of stemmed from people just more concerned with where their food comes from, and the easiest way to do that is to have a local butcher um, because typically these these smaller local butchers are sourcing their animals locally and they're not getting them from you know um, factory farms or feedlots and things like that and it just ties in with with people eating food there's more of a connection you know with with people's food now because people are aware that what you eat has a direct effect on your health and i think that's kind of where it started and and yeah there's definitely kind of like this you know kind of hipster aspect to it you know there's there's always going to be that but um but i'm i'm just i'm just happy to be a part of that that food movement you know um, if you're just joining us, my guest is Chris Bolliard. He's the head butcher and owner of Bolliard's Meat and Provisions in Maplewood, and he's also starring, can I say, on the show sure. The Butcher on the History Channel tonight at 9 o'clock. Um, going back, I'm, I'm wondering also, do you think that um, you were talking about the, the interest that people have in locally raised animals, animals that are more humanely treated, in general, how do you see your your shop and your work fitting in with the culinary scene in St. Louis? Um, I think that it's it's a great addition to the culinary scene in St. Louis. Um, you know, there's a lot of other smaller boutique shops like ours, um, as well as a plethora of culinary talent. Um, you know, St. Louis, I think, is definitely contend with you know some of the other larger cities that are known for a great food scene. Um, and so I think a place like Bolliard's that makes everything in house, you know, whether it's deli meat or charcuterie, or, you know, we have a sandwich program, uh, pretty much everything that we sell, we make, we make in house. So provisions, for example, um, those would be rendered fats and stocks, um, condiments. We do a lot of fermenting and pickling, things like that. Um, I think that kind of, that kind of ties in with, um, the very awesome food scene that, that we have here in St. Louis. And I heard you use the term sandwich programs. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? So but, <laughs> like, to put it simply, we, we, we offer lunch. You know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> like, it's, it's just, yeah, just one aspect of what we do. So we, that, that, that kind of came um, out of necessity. We didn't plan on selling sandwiches when we first opened the shop, and we had to evolve and, and kind of readjust the business plan to make things work. And, and so we decided to throw a sandwich offering on there and it was started out as one sandwich and now we have like seven sandwiches and we have um about six, 16 to 18 seats inside so you can you can dine in and grab a sandwich and we serve those every day open to close and and those are kind of seasonal and then we'll have one that'll be a special and kind of rotate weekly or bi-weekly depending on what's available of mm-hmm. course yeah. um so i have to admit i am a bit of a um I was going to use the term chicken, but um, I'm a little bit intimidated when I'm cooking meat. I'm always afraid that I'm going to get food poison or trichinosis yeah. or something like yeah. that. So what advice do you give to timid chefs like me that come in to the shop and want to try to cook something? Yeah, there's, I mean, you're you're not alone. There's there's a lot of people that come in and they're not avid cooks. They're very intimidated by coming into a shop like ours and they're, they're a little bit perplexed when they, they see the menu board and the fresh cuts, they might be used to seeing everything laid out in a case, you know, all these cuts 
um, prepackaged and things like that. Neatly wrapped up, right. Right, exactly. exactly. Uh-huh. We do have a daily case and it's always loaded up with things, but there's not as many fresh cuts as there are uh, house-made items. So we're happy to walk people through whatever they're trying to do, give them the best advice possible, make it as easy as possible on them, you know, to set them up for success. They're, they're spending a little bit more money than they would at your average grocery store. So we, you know, we want them to go home and have a good experience with what they buy. So we're, we're happy to answer questions all day long. And you have recipes too that you offer people? We can offer recipes. We all have cooking backgrounds. And um, so we're, we're very capable of, of offering advice on how to cook your meat. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the whole profession that you're in. Um, what do you think the common the most common misconception is that people have around butchers and around being and butchering, I guess the noun version. Um I don't know. I guess <laughs> I guess maybe I guess the oh man, that's a good question. I guess there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, one being it's it's kind of like a, I guess if you're involved in slaughter, it can be a messy, bloody job. Um, but we don't we don't do the slaughtering of the animals. So you know that that's the step between us and the farm. Um, it's a very it's a very clean operation. It's not as you know it's not as messy or as dirty as one might think. Um, so I guess that's one misconception that you, we can clear up. It's a, it's a very tidy, uh, clean operation, and we're not a bunch of rugged. Uh, <laughs> but it's still very physical. Mean, mean oh, yeah, it's very, very, very physical work, to, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, for the least. record, I'm not seeing any um, blood splattered anywhere yeah, on yeah, you or in this room. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cleaned up before I came yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid we have to wrap it up. I want to thank Chris Belliard for being with us today. As a reminder, tonight's episode of The Butcher airs tonight at 9 p.m. on the History Channel. Chris, it was really great to talk with you. Yes, thank thanks you so for much. Having me. This is St. Louis on the Air, St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.